Hi, I'm Walter Harvey, the senior pastor at Parklawn Assembly of God. Parklawn is a church that both regular attenders and even unchurched people love to attend. Why? Perhaps it's because we seek real and authentic relationships. We're a multicultural church that's engaged in volunteerism and outreach in our community and world. Let's face it, we live in a real world. Young people are facing challenges in their school, relationships, and career choices. That's why we're focused on practical matters, such as making faith work in family, career, and community issues. If you're tired of church as usual, or you don't go to church at all, then Park Lawn Assembly of God could be the perfect place for you. Come check it out this weekend. We have services each Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. Park Lawn Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon. I want to say thank you to Bishop for giving me this opportunity. Um, I was told that basically, hey, we're going to take a small break from the panel discussions and we want you to, you know, talk to the young people and the young at heart folks. Now, I'm going to tell you all, talking to young people and young at heart folks is interesting. Um, I got into a conversation Wednesday with one of our young people. And if you want to laugh, talk to some teenagers. Make them comfortable first, though, because they really come out the box on you. So I was talking to these young men, and they were telling me about relationships. And their relationships are jacked up, okay? Young man got a girlfriend. You know, he's telling me about the girl, but he's trying to get other girls' numbers, like, at the church. I'm like, hey, come here. <laughs> you said you got a woman, right? I mean, yeah, Pastor Jay, but you know, I, I'm friendly. Brother, hold on, wait. <laughs> I just like being friendly, Pat. You ain't trying to be friendly again on these phone numbers. Another guy standing there next to him, he laughing a little too hard. Like, hey, so tell me about your relationship status. So listen to me. I'm going to tell you what he said. Now, this is what happens when teenagers try to use words they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, Pastor Jay, you know I'm having a little bit of trouble. You know, it's a little complicated. You know, I got a threesome. Wait, you, you got a what? I got a threesome. Brother, I don't know if you want to be telling your pastor, like, you got a what? And he thought about it. Pastor Jay, get your mind out the gutter. That's not what I... It's, you know, I, I like two different girls. I'm trying to decide. Brother, don't use the word threesome, okay? Like, this is a teaching moment for you. Don't you ever in your life <laughs> say the word threesome no more ever. Teenagers are hilarious to me, but I was trying to think of how can I do a message that is definitely for teens, but also for adults, where it benefits all of us. And God gave me a crazy thing. He gave me Moana. Anybody in here ever seen the movie Moana? I got a whole bunch of young folks like, yeah, I seen Moana. What's Moana got to do with Jesus? <laughs> you know, for those that don't know who Moana is, if the media team could go ahead and play my, my little video, I need to show y'all who Moana is, okay? You see Moana right there? You can go ahead and turn it up a little bit so they can, they can hear. Thank you, baby. Now, I know some of y'all ain't never seen Moana, but Moana is real popular in my house. I have seen Moana 97 times in the last two and a half months. Every day, my daughter will watch one of two movies 
Coco or Moana. She's real about the ethnicities. So we live with Moana on a regular basis. Her birthday, February 14th. She'd have messed up my whole Valentine's days forever. Just going to be broke from now to Jesus get back, apparently. I went to the store, and I knew I was going to get my daughter this Moana toy. We're looking, find a perfect one. It had a little microphone with it because she thinks she a little singer slash preacher already. I got her a mic. I got Moana. We took it home. I wrapped it up. And I, I'm probably more excited than she is, right? I can't wait till she opened this thing. She pulls a little paper off, and her face lights up. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting happy myself. Like, yeah, go ahead, put it off the box. Go ahead, girl. She pulled it out, all happy. She pushed a little button on Moana's neck. And nothing happened. Can I tell y'all what I hate about toys? This is a little phrase on the side of the box. Anybody know what that phrase is? Batteries not included. Why in the world would you make anything and not put batteries in the stupid toy? Folks like me then gave it to the baby. Now she looking at me like, you gave me a broke toy for my birthday? So I grabbed Moana. And I'm trying to figure out where the batteries even go. As you can see, Moana got a lot of hair. She got, she got a whole outfit. She got a lot going on in her life. Y'all, okay, in front of my baby, I'm like stripping Moana. This is not like a good thing, okay? I'm trying to pull clothes off. I'm trying to find a battery compartment. My daughter's like, why are you tearing Moana apart? I finally get her clothes off and find out there's a battery compartment in the small of her back. It's got a screw in it this long. Now I need a screwdriver. I got to find a little screwdriver that actually works. Now we got to pop the compartment off Moana's back. Moana needs three AAA batteries. Why in the world would you put AAA batteries in the toy? Don't nobody carry AAA batteries? Anybody got AAA batteries just laying around their house? Oh, I should have been at your house then, apparently. <laughs> so we end up finding some batteries. It's been like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. My daughter is following me around crying on her birthday because I'm ripping Moana apart, trying to put some power into this chick so she'll sing this one song. All I need to do is sing this one song to get my baby smiling. That's it. Find the batteries. Finally put them in. And that was part of the video that you saw when we first got everything working. God has, like, done something crazy to me with this whole fatherhood thing. Now he be talking to me through toys, he'd be talking to me, and he was like, uh-huh, the batteries wasn't included, right? Moana came here with everything she needed. She looked great. She had the little necklace on. She has her arms ready. She got the outfit. She's ready to rock. But she didn't have any power. So when I put her in the place where she was needing to operate, she was completely unable to fulfill her calling because the batteries were not included. And that's what I want to talk to you about. And I want to use a very famous person in the Bible named David. Now, I'm going to do y'all like I do the teenagers, okay? And I know I got a few in here, probably be a lot more in second service. But anybody, just yell out, who was David? What was David? Anybody. He was a king. He was a worshiper. He was a servant. He was a shepherd. He killed Goliath. He was a writer. 
He was a warrior. He was a son. He played the harp. We got a whole lot of great stuff about David, but what if I told you he was depressed? Because, see, we talk about a lot of things with David, and, man, he did a lot. He accomplished a lot. But did you know David went through a depression? Did you know that there was a time in David's life where he lost everything? And I want to talk to you about that. So I'm going to give you, for the sake of time, I have one main scripture I'm going to jump into, but I'm going to give you a J. English cliff note version leading up to my scripture. Now, if you want to check me and make sure I'm not lying to you, you can start in 1 Samuel 18. But David, as we just talked about, was a shepherd who was anointed by Samuel to become king. He fights and kills Goliath. And through winning that battle, the king Saul says, oh, I got to keep him somewhere near me. You ain't going to live at home, be no shepherd no more. I'm bringing you to the palace. David is a warrior. I heard that out there. And songs start getting written about David that Saul has killed his thousands. But David has killed his tens of thousands. And guess who now got an emotional complex and is getting a little angry? Saul ain't that happy. Wait a minute, I'm the king. I brought him here. Saul has these emotional moods he gets into. The Bible specifically says a spirit troubles him. David, being a heart player, comes in and he's anointed of God to play this instrument and it drives the spirit away. But the Bible tells us that in one of these sessions, for whatever reason, the king Saul is sitting there with a spear in his hand and throws it at David trying to kill. Anybody ever had somebody throw a spear at you? Now, I ain't never had it happen in real life, now. <laughs> but you ever had somebody throw something at you that you like, wait a minute, was that? Did you just try to stab? Did you just say that to me? After all I've done for you? The Bible tells us this doesn't happen just once, it happens twice. And David goes on the run. Now, the crazy part is David has actually married into the family. He's married Micah, which is Saul's daughter. So this is technically his father-in-law. Has David on the run, he's trying to kill him. David runs from Saul and does, you ever heard that phrase, the enemy of my enemy is my friend? Well, David decides to give that a whirl. And he runs to Gath. Now, Gath is where the Philistines live. That Goliath, you said, David killed Goliath. Anybody in here want to take a guess of where Goliath was from? Gath. <laughs> he runs to, the, to Gath to hide out. But David, your reputation precedes you. And the king there has some advisors that say, isn't this the David that they've been singing them songs about? Well, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands, which several thousands of them were us. Well, David finds out they're looking for him there, so he begins acting like a mad person. I got to get out of this. They're going to kill me. The Bible literally tells us that he starts scratching on doors and drooling from the side of his face into his beard and just acting like he's completely lost his mind. 
and we pick up at the main scripture here in 1 Samuel 22, 1 through 2, where it says, So David got away and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and others associated with his family heard where he was, they came down and joined him. Not only that, but all who were down on their luck came around. Losers, vagrants, misfits of all sorts. David became their leader, and there was about 400 of them in all. This story hit me because we're talking about authentic family, authentic relationships. Can we start out by saying that the people who can hurt you the most are the ones that are closest to you? Can't nobody hurt you like family can. Because, see, you punch me in the face and we on the street, we just going to fight. <laughs> but if my daddy punched me in the face, that's a whole different battle. If my aunt is abusing me, we got a whole different situation. Because, see, when family hurts you, you can't just run. You can't just get away. Family scars can last a lifetime. And David is literally on the run from his family. Literally on the run. And we, I was talking to you about David being depressed, I want to bring up this scripture right here of Psalm 142. And it's going to bring me to my second point. Psalm 142 was written by David while he was in the cave. And he said, I cry out loudly to God. Loudly I plead with God for mercy. I spill out all my complaints before him and spell out my troubles in detail. As I sink in despair, my spirit ebbing away, you know how I'm feeling, you know the danger I'm in, the traps hidden in my path. I look right, I look left, and there's not a soul who cares what happens. Has anybody ever felt like nobody even cares about you? You ever had a day in the cave where you felt like you were totally by yourself? Everything is falling away that you depended on. David continues and says, I'm up against it with no exit. I'm left alone. I cry out, God. I call out. You're my last chance, my only hope for life. Oh, listen, please listen. I've never been this low. Rescue me from those who are hunting me down, for I am no match for them. Do you understand who David is? For him to say, I am no match. Do you know what David does for a living? I've killed a bear. I've killed a lion. This Philistine will be just like one of them. But he finds himself in a place that even he and all of his power, all of his abilities is unable to take care of. And what I love is at the end, he says, get me out of this dungeon so I can thank you in public your people will form a circle around me and you'll bring me showers of blessings I want to talk to you about living in a cave if there's anybody in here who is currently in a cave or has ever been in a cave it's a dark place but the cave is not just dark 
just smell bad. It's wet. It's damp. You're by yourself. But I'm here to tell you that God does some of his best work in the cave. He does some of his best work. Now, back in the day, there was a song by a man named T. Payne that said, I'm in love with a stripper. <laughs> and I got news for y'all. I'm in love with one, too. And his name is Jesus. Because in the cave, Jesus walks in and he starts stripping you of your pride. He starts stripping you of your dignity. He starts stripping you of your possessions and of anything that's not like him that he knows. You holding on this a little tighter than you holding on to me. See, it was in the cave that David, David lost a whole lot. To be on the run from Saul, understand this. He lost his home. He had to run and leave his wife. He lost his job. He lost his best friend. He lost his self-respect. He has nothing. But even in the cave, God says, I can use you in this cave. Because see, in the cave, we start learning, I can't depend on me. Can't do this by myself. I'm going to need some help. So, Lord, when you get me out of this dungeon, when you get me out of this dungeon, I will praise you in public. So what starts to happen for David, the Bible tells us that people who felt just like him started showing up. Ain't it funny how God started bringing people around you at some of the worst points in your life? Because it's it. The Bible tells us that in my weakness, he is made strong. And he starts bringing the discontent and those that are angry and those that are hurt and those that are on the run around David. He is starting to form David's ministry in the cave. See, so many of us, we want ministry on the mountaintop. We want to just walk up the mountain and stand there and plant our flag and say, I'm here. I'm ready. God bless that ain't where real ministry start. You better watch what you're asking for. You was anointed as king, well, guess what you get to do first? It's in the cave. The cave is where I learn perseverance. The cave is where I learn to see God for who he truly is. The cave is where I see the miracles that I never paid attention to before. It's in the cave that David starts learning how to be a real leader of men. It's in the cave. But we don't want the cave. We pray against the cave. <laughs> Lord, don't ever let me have a cave experience. I don't want it. I got news for you. The cave doesn't just strip you, and it doesn't just teach you to depend on God. The cave shows you who you can really depend on. There were some brothers that showed up with David. Now, back in the day, we would have called them some goons. <laughs> them folks that loved to fight for no obvious reason just looked for a reason. They weren't even part of the fight. They saw you about to get in the fight, and they just came running. Can't wait to fight. Them folks that Oh, who said what at your school? 
get in the car, let's go. Some of them folks, I got a couple family members that's like that. I got an aunt. My aunt is a goon, y'all. I'm sorry, she is. <laughs> my aunt would, this is how she would introduce herself to my friends. This is bogus, but she was, she said this was her. I would introduce, hey, this is my aunt, you know, Anita. And she'd be like, yep, I'm his aunt. I'm crazy. His mama is the saved one. I'm the one who will F you up. That's how she would introduce herself. Well, that, that set a different tone. <laughs> really? <laughs> I feel like I need to go pray. <laughs> like, this is how she would speak. And she would tell you, if you need me, just call me. I ain't never had to call her. <laughs> Praise God. Because she told she said, I would go to jail in a heartbeat. Don't care. I got my bail money ready. Don't matter. David had some people like that. The Bible says he had 30 men total. But out of the 30, there was an incredible three. He had one gentleman who fought and killed 800 people by himself. Now, here's the part that confused me a little bit. If I'm, say I'm guy 756. I done watched you kill 755 other people. I'm not going over there. <laughs> I'm going to take my chances back here with the king. I'm not going over there. The brother been winning. He is 755 and old. I'm not going to be the one, probably. That's just how I think. 800 people by himself. He had two other brothers that on separate occasions, Israel got into a war and the Israelites retreated and ran. And this brother said, I ain't going nowhere. And the Bible says on two separate occasions, each of these individuals stood and held down a field by themselves. I need to read you one more thing about what these folks that David had around him did, because I really need you to understand. In 1 Chronicles 11, 15 and through 19, once David was at a rock near the cave of Adullam, same place, still in the cave, the Philistine army was camped in the valley of Rephaim, and the three who were among the 30, an elite group among David's fighting men, went down to meet him there. And David remarked longingly, oh, how I would love some of that good water from the well by the gate of Bethlehem. So the three who look for reasons, you want some water? That sounds like a reason. <laughs> they broke through the Philistine lines, drew some water from the well. You know how bad you got to be to put a bucket down in the middle of the war? Somebody is putting the bucket down while the other two is holding everybody off. They get this cup bucket, drink, whatever it was, and brought it back to David, and David refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out as an offering to the Lord, saying, God forbid I should drink this. This water is as precious as the blood of these men who risked their lives to bring it to me. I want to tell you something. This was the start of David's army. Because see, what David found out that I'm here to tell you today is that if you can rock with me in the cave, you can rule with me in the palace. If you're willing to put up with what I got to deal with while I'm, I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing to give you. I have nothing that I can show you that my appreciation. And you say, but I'll give my life for you. 
it's in the cave that I found some of my real friends. Because see, when I'm on the top and I got everything, the car is nice, the house is good, money is flowing, I got a job, I'm standing up and doing this and that. Oh, everybody want to be around you then. Go lay in the cave for a few months and see how many folks stay with you. You have some people you thought would never leave. You thought they would never leave and they'll be the first ones out the door. And you'll find out you got some other people that maybe never said a word to you, but they are there every single day. They got your back. They love you. They care about you. They're fighting on your behalf. And I'm here to tell you, those are the people you take to the palace. You'll fight for me when I ain't got nothing. When I have nothing and I've, I'm shedding tears, you're the one that I lay my, my head on. You're the one I can share my deepest secrets with, my struggles, my pain. So then when God starts blessing me, I know who I can depend on. But without the cave, how would David have known? How would you know? If you never go through something, how would you know? If they never had a chance to leave you, how would you know? I'm coming to an end here. I want to bring that clip back up, media team. If you can show that video one more time. that video that was the first time we'd ever heard her try to sing first time I happened to catch it on video she would hum every now and then we try to get her to sing she's like no first time it made me think that maybe just maybe process that Moana had to go through wasn't really for her. Because see, you look at the doll, and I told you the story I had to go through with this doll, but can you imagine being in the hands of God and him saying, I got to strip you of some stuff. Oh, I got a battery compartment back here. I got to get, let me go ahead and get my screwdriver. I got to pull this out. And we get angry when God starts pulling stuff off of us. But in the hands of the master, he says, you got to trust me. Don't get out of my hand. Don't get out of my hand. You better trust me. I'm doing something here. But Jesus, you're stripping me of everything. You got that right. And I'm about to pull some stuff out of you. of the master he knows that you came here 
with everything you needed to be successful in your calling. You were born with the gifts. He provided them before the foundations of the earth. He built them into you as you were formed in your mother's womb. You came here with the talents, with the abilities. You looked the part. You got the outfit on. You got the little necklace around your neck. You're ready for somebody to push the button. But Jesus turns you over and says, the batteries are not included. So before I put you in the hands of the people whose lives you are here to change, I got to give you some power. I got to give you some power, and it's got to be a specific kind of power. It can't just be the power of, oh, I'm going to go get some power from alcohol. I'm going to go get some power from drugs. I'm going to go get some power from sex. No, it's three AAA batteries. You can put a double A in there if you want to and see what happens. Maybe, just maybe, the cave is not for you, David. Maybe it's for your men. Would they have known they could fight like that if they didn't have a reason to? Would David have become the king he was going to become without going through a cave situation that showed him exactly who he was and began unlocking the gifts in those who God brought around him? What I saw in Moana that day was a doll that unlocked a gift in my daughter. And what I'm here to tell you is that some of you are here to unlock the gifts in other people around you. But Pastor Jay, I'm in a cave. I'm depressed. I'm telling you, the depression is not until death. This is what God is doing. He's stripping you of some things. He is opening you up and pulling some things out that will not last if he leaves them there. And he wants to give you power. Power so that when he puts you in the place that you were made to be. And they push that little button. And you start operating in the fullness of your gift. Your gift will change the atmosphere. Your gift will bring a smile to people's faces. Your gift will make them want to sing. It will make them want to dance. It will make them want to pray. It will make them want to work. It will make them want to live the life that God has called them to. But we can't do this without the cave. I am talking to anybody here that you know right now, Pastor Jay, I'm living in a cave. Is it anybody right here, right now that can raise their hand and acknowledge I'm dealing with some depression? I'm living in a cave. Uh, it's dark in here. It's, it's damp. I don't want to be here. My friends are leaving. I'm losing things. I'm asking you, if you have your hand up, I need you to run down to this altar because we want to touch and agree with you right now. I need you to come on down here. Get on up. Come on. You raised your hand. Let's touch and agree. Can I get some prayer warriors down here, please? Come on down here because God is doing some amazing things today. In the name of Jesus, we love you, Lord, and we ask for your blessings right now, Jesus. You've called her by name. Make her who you would have her to be, Lord. This is not 
the God that I know. This is who he is. The cave, the cave, the cave. Exactly where you don't want to be is exactly where you need to be. David didn't know when he wrote that psalm in 142 that he was speaking prophetically when he said, you will bring me out of this dungeon and I will praise you in public. And he said, you will surround me with your people. God is amazing. God is amazing. God is amazing. He is amazing. You're not good enough to do it on your own. The batteries are not included. You need some more strength. You need some more power. You need something that's going to last. So the first thing we do is we don't quit. We don't give up. You go through the process. You do not get out of his hand. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust that what he's doing is going to be what's best for you. Trust that it's not just for you, but for the people that you're going to reach and change when he's done. I saw some good friends of mine standing on this stage as students in SUM, and if they told you some of their testimonies of who they were just a few short years ago. Sweet, so you down there preaching in Mardi Gras. <laughs> Did you ever think that maybe it wasn't for you? Everything you've been through, everything you faced, the testimony you've told us in private, it wasn't just for you. The Bible tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. No testimony with no test. Parkline Assembly of God exists to share the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. As a part of this mission, join us for special services, workshops, and encounters. Parkline Assembly of God is located at 3725 North Sherman Boulevard, right in the heart of the city of Milwaukee. You can contact us by phone or on the web at either 414-442-7411 or at www.parklawn.org. I hope to meet you soon.